Hi, everyone. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament or grew up uh, going to church, you're probably familiar with the story of the writing on the wall, where uh, King Belshazzar of Babylon uh, was a very foolish king. He feasted and drank on uh, the night that the Persians came and uh, conquered Babylon. Uh, for years, the Persian Empire had been growing in power, and their military was on the move. But Belshazzar neglected political strategy and military readiness. Most importantly, he refused to listen to God's commands, and as a result, heard the terrifying words, you have been weighed in the balances and found lacking. That very night, Persia invaded and Belshazzar was killed. Persia could have invaded years earlier, or they could have invaded years later. But during all that time, the invasion of Persia was at hand. Belshazzar didn't lead a life that reflected that reality. And anyone who looked at him wouldn't have seen any reason to think that there was danger on the horizon. You are at the beginning of 2021. God is calling you today to look towards the end. Not the end of the year, but the end of all things. The question is, how do you live with this mindset? How do you change your life in order to reflect the kind of outlook that God wants you to have? Well, our passage today comes from 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be looking a very deep focus on just one verse, 1 Peter 4, chapter 7. Uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 7. I'll go ahead and read that for you now. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, 1 Peter was a letter written to a large group of churches, really all around the known world at that time. And uh, the letter begins by saying it's to the elect exiles in the dispersion. And so from the get-go, there's this mindset of where we are now is not our home. And as Christians today, where we are now is not our home. We're waiting for a great day where we will be brought home to be with Jesus in God's presence forever. And what Peter tells us in this passage is that in light of the end being at hand, we need to be self-controlled and sober-minded. And the reason is for the sake of our prayers. And we're going to explore that. But before we do, I think it would be foolish 
not to come to the God who lets us pray to him and ask him for help. So won't you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be upon us this morning as we seek to understand your will for our lives. Would you help us to grasp what it means that the end of all things is at hand? What does it mean to be self-controlled and sober-minded? And how can we grow in our prayers? Would you show these things to us? Amen. Well, this verse has three parts. It has a reality that we need to grapple with. It has a response in light of that reality. And it has a reason for the response. The reality is the end of all things is at hand. And the response is uh, be sober-minded and self-controlled. And the reason that we need to have that response is for the sake of of our prayers. So let's start with the reality and let's unpack what it means that the end of all things is at hand. Now, when Peter was writing this, it was very shortly after Jesus had left and there was an expectation that he'd be coming back and uh, that the people who had seen him go would also see him return. That was what they were expecting. But here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're still waiting for the return of Jesus. And Peter said the end of all things is at hand. Well, was he wrong? If he was right then, is he still right? Because if the end of all things was at hand then, why hasn't he come yet? You remember that, what I told you uh, about King Belshazzar, how uh, he lived a foolish life when the invasion of Persia was at hand. You see, Persia could have attacked earlier, they could have attacked later, but during all that time, there was a readiness and an expectation from those who knew to look. And so the entire time, the invasion was at hand. In a similar way, while we are waiting for Jesus to return, his return is at hand. And it's important to understand this because all the major events in God's plan of salvation have happened from the creation of the world and people to the fall from good standing with God to God's chosen people selected to represent him on earth, the Jewish nation, and the law given as a means of holiness, and then the uselessness of human effort proven over and over again as you read the Bible, and then the promised arrival, the atoning death, the victorious resurrection, and the promise-filled ascension of Jesus and the promised arrival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the believers at Pentecost. Jesus may come today. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever look inside and say, am I living a life 
that reflects the reality that it could be today. When that day comes, whether it's today, tomorrow, or in a hundred years, when that day comes, the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 10. God has given Jesus authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. John 5, 27 to 29. Jesus will render to each one according to their works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. There will be wrath and fury. Romans 2, 6 to 8. In the day of the Lord, the faithful will receive eternal life with God. And those who built their lives on anything other than the solid rock of the finished work of Jesus will be cast into hell forever. Are you living like that is a reality? You know, I, I can't help but think of the parable that Jesus told of the faithful steward in Luke 12, verses 35 and 36. He said, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. The end of all things is at hand, and that day may be today. And so to those of you who are here and those of you who are watching, whether you are a Christian or whether you do not follow Jesus, my question is the same. Are you ready for that day? Do you live like you're ready for that day? If someone were to look at your life, would they say, I see someone who is expecting the return of Jesus? Or wouldn't they? This is the reality that we're presented with. Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, so he's set the scene. And when he says, therefore, it's an important word because it means the next thing that we hear is directly related to this huge reality that looms over every single person. Therefore, 
Be sober-minded and self-controlled for the sake of your prayers. Now, I want to focus on the prayer part of that. Why is prayer the end goal here? Why not evangelism? Why not building up the church? If the end of all things is at hand, Christ is coming to judge the living and the dead, then why is Peter telling us to do things for the sake of our prayers? And the reason is because when you're faced with the end, that puts things into perspective. I mentioned a little while ago that I work in disability care, and uh, there was one man that I supported uh, who uh, was really not a kind of person that you would want to spend time with. He had suffered a stroke, he was a quadriplegic, and he was very bitter. And every interaction that I had with him involved insults and uh, ridicule and uh, thanklessness and sadness and anger. And he drove people away from him. And one day, he got the news that he had about a week left to live. He was infected, he had diabetes, he had a whole list of things, and the end of his life was near. And when he was faced with the reality of the end, it was like night and day. It was like a switch went off. He was reaching out to old friends and family. He was making amends. He was apologizing, something that I don't know if he had ever done. He certainly hadn't done it in all the time that I had been working with him. He was trying to make things right because he saw in light of the end what really mattered. In your own life, as you look towards the coming day of Jesus, you need to recognize that the most important thing in your life is where you are at with God. If you don't know Jesus on a personal level, He is calling out to you and saying, when I died on the cross, I did that so that you could give your burden to me and I can fix your relationship with God. Where do you stand with God? And if you do have a relationship with Jesus, what does it look like? Day in, day out, are you pursuing God? If someone were to watch you carefully, would they see this person loves Jesus? Do you spend time with him? Do you tell others about him? Do you pray? Prayer is the only way that we can communicate to God. Just like any other relationship, you communicate by speaking to God and then listening. Prayer is such an important part of your faith. 
And that's why, because the end of all things is at hand, you need to be focused on communication with God. And prayer is one of the most important parts of the faith because we accomplish more through prayer than anything else. And Jesus makes this very clear in John chapter 15. He says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. In John 15, chapter, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit. The Christian life bears fruit. And that your fruit should abide. What's done for Christ lasts. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Whatever we ask God in Jesus' name will be done if we abide in him and his words abide in us. Those are the two conditions, though. Abide in Christ. Live with him and let his word live in you. And ask in his name doesn't mean saying in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer. It means asking in accordance to the will of God for his glory, according to his will, for his purposes, not yours. So we're called to live with the end in mind for the sake of our prayers, because prayer accomplishes the things that are important. If we ask in Jesus' name, and abide in him and his words in us. I want to live that kind of life. I want to pray that way. But how do I do it? Well, Peter says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Self-controlled. Let's start there. It doesn't just mean being able to restrain yourself when you want to do something that's unwise. The word that's translated as self-control has that meaning and also means to be in your right mind and carries with it the idea of thinking with good judgment. The Greek word actually is very closely related to the word for wisdom. Self-control, wise thinking about yourself, an action that follows that up. A helpful word to have in your mind when we read self-control is intentionality. What's your intention in everything you do? Do you intend the things you do for God? Second word, sober-minded. This doesn't just mean abstaining from alcohol. It means having a mindset of wakefulness, alertness, vigilance, readiness. To give you an example, if I have a long drive ahead of me, and it's night, and the conditions are poor, 
I can make the decision, I'm not going to have a drink before I drive because I need to be alert and focused so that I can be safe and get to where I need to go. We need to be self-controlled, intentional, sober-minded, alert. How do these things build your prayer life? Well, it takes self-control and alertness and vigilance to pray. Because praying is hard. Do you see the reality of this in your life? It's so hard for me to pray even for 15 minutes straight. Because things like the phone that I have with me or the TV show that I might want to watch or even good things like spending time with my family. These things get in the way of my prayer and it takes discipline, self-control and being aware that there are distractions in order to be able to say that's not the most important thing right now. I need to spend time in prayer. Because if I'm not alert, if I'm not carefully guarding my time of prayer, then I cannot expect to follow the commands of God regarding prayer, such as pray without ceasing, 2 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray in the Spirit for all the Lord's people, Matthew, Ephesians 6.18. Pray for those who persecute you, Matthew 5.44. Pray when you are tempted to sin. That's a hard one. Matthew 26.41. In trouble, pray. And in triumph, pray. James 5.13. And so many other commands and encouragements on how we come to God in prayer. You cannot do that without self-control, without focus and alertness. If you aren't intentional and alert, then prayer becomes one of a long list of things that you should do, but don't. Like Exercising regularly, working on that hobby, fixing that part of the house, reading that book you got. Some of us find some of these things really easy and fun to do, but other things really hard. And I'm sure you can put your own answer in to things that we know we should do, but it's hard and we don't get around to it. Don't let prayer become one of those things. Because prayer doesn't just equip us for doing greater things, it is the greater thing that we do. We're communicating with God in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit when we pray. This is a priority. And in light of that, you need to make changes in your life to help you be self-controlled and sober-minded. And these changes start with a commitment to God. Because God's the most important person in your life. He's the most authoritative person in your life. 
the most trustworthy person in your life. And if you want a good relationship with him, you need to make a commitment to that with him. Say, Lord, I commit to you today to change my life. I want to have a healthy prayer life. I want to have intimacy with you, to be close to you, to understand you, and to be powerful in prayer. Commit to a lifestyle of prayer with God. That's the first thing. The second thing is so practical, it cannot be ignored. You need to choose a time and a place to be with God. And then make the changes that you need to your daily schedule to make sure that it happens. And a word of advice, you always have time to do what you do first which is why it's such a good idea to make time with God the first thing you do every day. Next, you need to find someone reliable to keep you accountable, to regularly check in with you and you with them to make sure to get help in making prayer a reality in your everyday life. And again, you need to contact that person and set up a regular scheduled time to help each other. Otherwise, it falls by the wayside. Finally, don't expect perfection. Until Jesus returns and brings us home, we will always struggle with our priorities and there will be distractions and sin and other things that keep us from spending time with God. Don't expect perfection, but strive for it. But pick yourself up off the ground when you fall. And keep on approaching the God who calls us his children. If what God's been saying this morning speaks to your heart, and you need to respond to him. And so right now I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer so that you can do business with God. Could I please have you close your eyes, bow your heads. This is just time with you and God. I want you to ask yourself, what is God saying to me today? What needs to change? Am I living like the end of all things is at hand? Do I think, Lord, do I think about that fact? Am I ready for that day? Do I live like I'm ready for that day? Am I self-controlled? Do I have a sober mind, Lord? Can you show me? Show me what I'm missing. Do you want to build your prayer life? Do you see the areas in your life that are keeping you from close, powerful, 
prayer. You need to make a commitment to God. Lord, we come before you this morning and we thank you that you call us your children and that we can call you Father. And you make yourself always available for us, no matter what, to come to you with our burdens, with our joys, with our questions, with our thoughts. We want to have a powerful prayer life. And we want to live with the end in mind. Lord, won't you show us what the next step in this journey is? Would you point out who it is that we need to get in touch with? When it is that we need to commit to spending time with you? Would you help us to seek you in prayer, to be self-controlled and sober-minded because the end of all things is at hand. In Jesus' name, amen.